the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, We know that you are a teacher come from God, meaning the religious leaders. We, the religious leaders, we know that you're a teacher come from God. He admitted that. It was to Nicodemus that Jesus said, You must be born again. It was to Nicodemus that Jesus spoke the most well-known verse in all of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. As Pastor Dan continues his teaching series through the Gospel of John, he'll be explaining how the only way to be saved is by your truly being dead to your old way of life and becoming born again by God's Spirit. The Bible says that when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, His Holy Spirit fills you and you become His temple. You're a new creation in Jesus, so your life should show that new change. The life of a genuine Christian will always show a transformation. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 19 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. some people today who keep their faith in Jesus Christ secret or private, and they never tell anyone or give any indication that they are a believer in Jesus Christ or a follower of Jesus Christ. And let me just say, if that's you, Jesus does not want you to be a secret disciple. He does not want you to be a secret disciple. He doesn't want you to keep your relationship with him a secret or private. In fact, the Great Commission commands us to go into the world and preach the gospel, to go into the world and make disciples of Jesus and tell people about Jesus. On one occasion, Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. On another occasion, Jesus said, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them in heaven in his Father's glory with the holy angels. That's a pretty serious warning. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us to not hide our light, but to let our light shine before men. Uh, Joseph was a secret disciple. But now he comes out. Now he comes out publicly as a disciple of Jesus, which we have to ask, what drove Joseph at this point to now come out and publicly identify with Jesus Christ? The cross. The cross. Joseph saw 
his fellow religious leaders go after Jesus. He saw how they determined to kill him. He saw Jesus die on the cross. He, he, he saw Jesus suffer. He saw the price that Jesus paid. And, and that caused Joseph to come out of the shadows and boldly show that he is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And maybe, maybe for you at some point in your life, you were a secret disciple of Jesus. You, you kind of kept it private. Uh, and, and maybe some event or some circumstances pushed you or compelled you to go public with your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, maybe you heard somebody say something about Jesus, some, something critical. Maybe it was a family member at Thanksgiving that has a little bit too much wine and they start talking about religion and Jesus and church. And, and, and you, you reached a point where, you know what, I got I to gotta say something. Maybe it was a coworker, a classmate that said something that just, it, it just kind of crossed a line for you and you couldn't stay silent anymore. You had to say something uh, in defense of Jesus Christ. Well, well Joseph here now, this, is, this crosses the line for him. And he, he finally steps forward as a believer. He, he can't silently stand by any longer. And so Joseph now, he went to Pontius Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. Somehow Joseph knew Pontius Pilate uh, at least well enough to go to him and, have, and, and get an audience with Pontius Pilate. He had some kind of relationship with Pontius Pilate, maybe as a prominent member of the Sanhedrin. He had some kind of professional uh, interaction with Pontius Pilate. Maybe it was a social interaction. We, we, we don't know, but Joseph at this point, he used his position and his prominence within the community to get access to Pilate, to ask Pilate for the body of Jesus. Mark's Gospel, listen to this, Mark's Gospel tells us that Joseph gathered up the courage to ask Pilate. It was hard for him. He knew that this would come at a great cost for him, to step out of the shadows. This was a hard step, to identify with Jesus Christ this way. And it took courage. And sometimes it takes courage for us to, to speak up for Jesus Christ, or to do the right thing. And we know that there's going to be consequences. And we know the consequences are going to be hard. And that it's going to cost us. And it's just going to bring drama into our life or difficulty into our life. But you come to a point where it's, you know, I, I got to do this. Whatever the consequences are, they are. I mean, I, I got to just live with that. You know, whatever, whatever drama it brings into my life, so be it. But I, 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 can't, I can't be silent anymore. I can't not do it anymore. For him, he would lose his place in the Sanhedrin. Uh, he, you know, he would lose his job. He would lose his prominence in the community. He, he would be uh, put out of the synagogue. He would lose all of his friends. He would lose his family. He would be a social outcast. It came at a great cost to follow Jesus. I mean, Jesus even said, count the cost. And Joseph at this point has counted the cost. And, and he had to muster up the courage to do it. But he did it. That's the important thing. It was scary, but he did it. And, and for you, maybe the Lord is asking you to do something in obedience to him, and you've put it off, and you've put it off, and you've put it off because you're scared. It's okay to be scared. Just do it scared. But do it. 
Don't put it off. Verse 38 says, Pilate gave Joseph permission, and so he came and took the body of Jesus. And I want, I want you to just think about that statement for a moment. Joseph came and took the body of Jesus Christ away. Where is Jesus' body at this point? It's on the cross. How do you take a body off a cross? How do you do that? How do you, uh, how, where do you begin? How do you take the spikes out of his hands? How do you take the spikes out of his feet? How, how, do, you, how do you lower his body? Which is practically an, an adult man that's just you know, literally dead weight. He's never done this before. You know, you, you know do, you, do you start with the feet? Take that spike out first. How are you going to get that spike out? It's, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's a body. I mean, you're not going to, I mean, I don't know. You go with a claw hammer, but you don't want to harm his body. I'm, I'm not even sure how you would even go about this. So Joseph goes and he just, he's, he's got to figure it out. He's not alone. He had help. Look at verse 39. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, so when, he, when, when it says, and Nicodemus, the Holy Spirit knows, we're going to say, you mean Nicodemus that came to Jesus by night? That Nicodemus? The Holy Spirit says, yeah, the one that first came to Jesus by night. Also came, and he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. This is the same Nicodemus from John chapter 3, who was also a prominent member of the Sanhedrin. Jesus identified him as the teacher of Israel. He came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, we know that you are a teacher come from God, meaning the religious leaders. We, the religious leaders, we know that you're a teacher come from God. He admitted that. It was to Nicodemus that Jesus said, you must be born again. It was to Nicodemus that Jesus spoke the most Well-known verse in all of the Bible, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, you you probably were familiar with that verse even before you were a Christian. You know, people hold signs up at football games, at least they used to. John 3.16 on it. Jesus spoke those words to Nicodemus. Think about this. Nicodemus is the only person who actually heard those words come from the mouth of Jesus in a private conversation. Nicodemus now comes after Jesus is crucified. He shows up. He comes back into the story now. That that night with Jesus when they had that private conversation and Jesus said, you must be born again and Jesus said, for God so loved the world and, and, and had that conversation with Nicodemus. That conversation was three years earlier. So for three years, he's had those words you know, on his mind, in his heart, thinking about that conversation, going over it in, in his mind. And now he shows up to help bury Jesus. And, it, and we're told he showed up with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. Now those were, those were burial spices. They were not to embalm the body. The Jews did not uh, embalm their dead. They used spices, fragrant spices, to cover the, the stench 
of the decomposing body. And he shows up here and makes a note to tell us with a hundred pounds. I mean, that, that is an extraordinary amount of spices. This is something you know, that you would use for burying a king, which Jesus is the king, right? The king of kings. So it's fitting that Nicodemus would show up with this much. And, and to me, I think about the fact that Joseph and Nicodemus, you know, they're part of the Sanhedrin. They knew that the, the, the Sanhedrin were plotting to kill Jesus. They knew that during this Passover, they were coming up with a plan to have him crucified. And so in preparation, Joseph gets a tomb, he buys a tomb, and Nicodemus goes and buys all of these burial spices to bury Jesus. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Verse 40 says, Then they took the body of Jesus. And what they would do is in the tombs there, the tombs usually had a little ledge or a shelf where you could lay a body. They took the body of Jesus and they bound it in strips of linen with the spices. It says, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. So Joseph and Nicodemus, they had the privilege of preparing the body of Jesus for burial. And it says they prepared his body according to the custom of the Jews. The the Jews had a method a process for preparing a body for burial. They, they, first of all, they would wash the body with water, thoroughly clean the body, and they would anoint the body with oil, and then they would wrap the body very carefully and very methodically. There, again, there was a process to it, the way that they wrapped the body. They would wrap the body with strips of linen, and they would add the burial spices mixed together in with the strips of of linen. And the Jews, as they went through this process, there were certain prayers that they recited as they were preparing the body for burial. So this was a a spiritual thing for the Jews. This was an act of worship for the Jews. And Nicodemus and Joseph, again, they had the privilege that no one else had of preparing the body for, of Jesus. They, they were secret disciples up until this, this day. And as soon as they stepped out of the shadows and publicly identified with Jesus, God gives them this very special privilege. And they washed the body of Jesus. They washed all the blood off his body. They cleaned his wounds and his hands and his feet and the wound in his side. The wounds in his head from the thorn of crowns. And they washed all of his lacerations from the scourging. They washed the spit off his face from those that spit on him. 
They anointed his body with oil all the time. They're, they're praying, they're reciting prayers as, as they're doing this. And then they carefully and methodically wrapped his body in strips of linen and applied the spices between the strips of linen. And what was that experience like for them? For Joseph and Nicodemus? What, what went through their minds as they handled the body of Jesus and, and, and cleaned the wounds that Jesus received to pay for their sins? What did they say to each other? As they went through this process, you know, earlier during, during communion, we read Isaiah 53. I wonder if they thought about Isaiah 53 as they were cleaning his wounds. And I wonder, you know, did Joseph say to Nicodemus, Nick, do you remember what Isaiah said? He was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was put upon him by his wounds. We're healed. As they're cleaning it, cleaning the wounds. I want to be something when we get to heaven to sit down with Joseph and Nicodemus and just hear the story. Remember, I remember years ago I was at a pastor's conference uh, and there was a missionary that spoke there named Frank Drown. Uh, and Frank Drown had been a missionary in Ecuador in the 1950s. And at this point he was like in his 80s or 90s when he spoke at this conference. And he was a missionary with Jim Elliott uh, and uh, the others, I can't remember their names at this point, uh, that were killed on the mission field by, by natives that they were trying to evangelize. And they were brutally murdered. And Frank Drown is the one who got in a canoe and went up river to search for their bodies. And he, he's the one who found them. And he, he it, with, you know, with sobbing and crying and describing it in such detail as if it happened earlier that day. And here it was, you know, 60 years later. And he, he had remembered such details of recovering the bodies of those missionaries and what they looked like and the spears that were in their bodies. And to be able to sit down one day in heaven with Joseph and Nicodemus and to hear that story, what it was like for them to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. So they wash the body, they anoint the body, they wrap the body. In verse 41, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. The other Gospels tell us that this tomb belonged to Joseph, and it was a, it was we're told it was cut into the rock. It was not just a cave. It was actually cut, chiseled into the rock. So it's a a very expensive tomb that Joseph probably bought, purchased for himself. Uh, Even though he was from Arimathea, and that was his family home, uh, devout Jews uh, who loved God and believed his word, they wanted to be buried in Jerusalem as close to the temple as possible, or on the Mount of Olives. The reason they wanted to be on the Mount of Olives is because it says in Zechariah, when the Messiah comes, 
is going to stand on the Mount of Olives. And the, and the Jews believe that's when the resurrection of the dead will take place. And in their minds, if you're buried on the Mount of Olives, you're going to be first in line at the resurrection. And so they want to be buried there. And they have uh, the Mount of Olives uh, is the most holy burial site for Jews in the world. It is the oldest Jewish cemetery in the world. They've, they've, uh, they've buried people there for 3,000 years. Today, the Mount of Olives, most of it is a cemetery. Uh, and it's a, it's a very expensive place uh, to be buried today. Uh, it comes at a high price because it's such a wanted place to be buried among Jews. And so for Joseph, even though he's from another town in Judea called Arimathea, he, he wants to be buried in Jerusalem because he's, he's a believer in God. He believes God's word. And so he buys a tomb there. Verse 42, so there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day. Remember, the Sabbath will begin at sundown. Jesus is dead on the cross at 3 o'clock. So between 3 p.m. and sundown, Joseph goes to Pilate, asks for the body, and is able to take the body down off the cross. And they're able to kind of hastily go through this process of preparing his body for burial before the Sabbath begins. So they really only have a window here of of maybe three hours or so to prepare the body of Jesus and put the body of Jesus into the tomb. It says, so there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Now we have been in this section of the Gospel of John for weeks and weeks and weeks. But this is the end of a very long day. It really began the night before at the Last Supper, where Jesus institutes the new covenant in his name, that final meal that he has with his disciples. And he goes from that supper to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's arrested. And then he's carried to the house of the high priest, and then he's carried to Pontius Pilate, and so on where he's condemned and he's put on the cross at nine o'clock in the morning and he, and he's dead on the cross by 3 PM. And now as the sun is setting, they finally have him in the tomb. A very, very long day for Jesus. A lot has happened since that dinner the night before. And I would think that if Joseph and Nicodemus We're here today. I think one of the things that they would say to us is don't be a secret disciple. I think they would say if they could go back, they would come out in the open as a disciple of Jesus Christ much sooner. And if they had a regret, it would be that they put it off and that they waited. And so I would say to you, Don't be a secret disciple. You're not a secret disciple here, but at work or at school, in your neighborhood, with your family, your relatives this Christmas. Don't be a secret disciple. Let your light shine. Muster up the courage, just like Joseph, and be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Because God knows the world needs it, right? So let your light shine for Jesus. Me how I know, and I say 
thanks for joining Pastor Dan today to study the Gospel of John. This book articulates Jesus' life in a unique and powerful way, revealing Christ's deity throughout its pages. John paints a picture of the King of Kings by also showing how he could take the sins of the world with him to the cross. Today, you can have your sins forgiven by Jesus by this death that he already endured. Jesus didn't stay in the grave, though. He rose. He lives now. And he wants a relationship with you. Would you like to know more? Give us a call. We'd be happy to share the joy and freedom waiting for you in Christ. Call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We'd like to meet you, too. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us at Calvary Chapel. We'll gather this Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. You'll also find more of Pastor Dan's messages at our website. Again, that's calvaryec.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more from the Gospel of John right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes It's true.